Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. Specifically, this message today is from our Y'all series. That's Y'all, as in you all, and we're looking at great scriptures from the Bible that are to us all, good promises that the whole church needs to hear. We hope you enjoy the Y'all series, and you can find more resources at paloosechurch.org, or you can check us out on the Bible app and select us as your church, or or find us on YouTube or Facebook. But for now, uh, tune in to this message from the Y'all series. Hi, everybody. Pastor Corey here. Thanks for tuning in for this message today and the beginning of a new series called Y'all. That's right, Y'all, the, the second person plural, technically, uh, in the southern dialect, at least, in the United States. And, and so we're having this fun series called Y'all to talk about things that we all have in common, that we all need. And Y'all, I hope you are blessed by this message today and this series because the, the group is important. The community is important. We, the importance of plural, I want to talk about. We, Christianity is a corporate movement. Jesus came as a king, and he has subjects. He came as a shepherd, and we are his sheep. He came as the head of the body, and we are the parts of the body. Christianity is corporate. It's not individualistic. And, and yes, you and I, we have individual faith. We make decisions, and, and we have our individual prayers and so forth. But we are... We are not saved uh, separately. Uh, You could say we are saved into a community. We are saved into God's plan and for God's will. We are given gifts as part of the mission, the shared mission of Christ. The plural is so important. So many of the key basic points of Christianity get warped if we just think of them individualistically, right? If we think of them in the singular instead of in the plural. And so with this series, y'all, we want to defeat uh, or really look strongly at unhealthy individualistic spirituality and, and say, w- we, yes, we need to hold on to personal responsibility, but what are we all uh, together in? What, what are our shared beliefs that are essential? And so we need to understand that we have similarities together, even with people we greatly disagree with uh, even people who look different than us, have different backgrounds, uh, we have shared similarities, shared situation. And, and therefore, we are not saved to be some kind of solo act. We can't say, oh, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Uh, I, 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 I'm not part of a community. I follow Christ alone or something. Or I don't buy uh, Christianity or its doctrines. No, no, no. We are called into a movement, and it might be an imperfect family, an imperfect movement, but we, if we follow Jesus, if we take Jesus seriously, and we look at his words, we're going to see through the series that we are called into his family, and if we don't like some of the things, we can say, okay, God, how are you calling us all to make this a better family here on earth to represent you better? So you are not saved to be a soul act, neither am I. We all need Jesus, and we all need the Jesus community. The community of Jesus, the body of Christ, 
also known as the church, right? The gathering. And in, in the New Testament, church, you know, the word gets translated church, but it really just means gathering of people who have faith in Jesus Christ. And, and it's important for our age because church is, is falling out of fashion, right? Or, or churches that really promote community and shared mission and overcoming differences. We're, 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 tr we're tribing up with people that we can just agree with, right? Whether it's politics or economics or skin color or whatever. Uh, there's too much of this just getting together with people that, that look like us or think exactly like us instead of coming together and saying, okay, we need to put some of our personal stuff aside and all of us all need to think like Jesus and, and follow his way, right? And so in our age, true church is falling out of fashion. Community church, I would say, where we, where we let Christ overcome our differences is falling out of fashion. We have people who like Jesus, but they, they maybe don't like this Jesus plan of, of having a church of people from, from different statuses and different backgrounds coming together. Uh, a group of very imperfect people coming together who agree that Jesus is Savior and Lord. Well, his plan, folks... If we like Jesus, we need to like his plan. And his plan A is the church, the community of his people. And so if we like Jesus, we need to like the church. And the church is very old. It's, it's 2,000 years old, basically. And it, it grew in places like Corinth. That, that we're going to have our, our scripture today from 1 Corinthians. And Corinth was a city in Greece, a major, bustling, metropolitan Greek city. Much wealth, uh, much immorality as well. It was on an isthmus uh, between uh, a, a large body mass in Greece and another uh, a peninsula in Greece, the Peloponnesian Peninsula, and you had, to, you had to go through Corinth to get to the south, or if you're in the south, to get up to the north. And, and so it was, it was a bustling area for trade and commerce and transportation, and, uh, but it was also struggled with sexual immorality. It struggled with materialism and idolatry and had lots of false religion and stuff. And uh, and into this city comes Paul and his team sharing the, the good news of Jesus. And, and people who are lost in their selfishness and the worldly materialism uh, start flocking to Jesus. And this new message that comes into their city with Paul and his team. And, and believers are growing and the body of Christ is growing in the midst of this very Greek city of Corinth. And, and Paul came doing his ministry in community with others. That's always the way the Apostle Paul did ministry. He was always a team player. Uh, as an example, people always say something like, oh, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. But if you look in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that he's not the only author of 1 Corinthians. Actually, it's Paul and a guy named Sosthenes. Paul wrote all of his letters together with other people. He did all of his ministry with other people. They are not just Paul's letters. This is really a team effort. And so he's an example of how the body of Christ works. And so this part of the body of Christ went to the city called Corinth, and they start sharing the good news of Jesus. And, and they were there for about 18 months. Paul specifically was there. And he gets booted out in A.D. 52. He's forced out of town. And then he gets to come back, or he gets to, excuse me, communicate in a way. He comes back through letters. He communicates with his church family. And he wrote this letter, what we call 1 Corinthians, uh, between A.D. 53 and A.D. 56. He wrote other letters, too, multiple letters. We have two of them in the New Testament, First and Second Corinthians. But... Um, He's writing this to his community, to fellow believers in Christ, to deal with some issues they had 
to build them up, to, to correct them on some things, and to encourage them. So I want to make some connections to our context uh, with the Corinthians. They, we find out in these letters that they are imperfect. <laughs> we are imperfect too, so we have that, uh, uh, that connection. We're imperfect. They struggled with sin issues. They struggled with division. Guess what? We still struggle with sin issues, whether it's sins of the flesh, sexual issues, or greed, or divisions I I in, in our congregation. They struggled with that. Churches today struggle with that. Uh, they are a, a group of followers of Jesus surrounded by a majority who doesn't follow Jesus or worship regularly. In the northwest, northwest of the United States, we have that in similar too. We, most of us are not regularly uh, in the northwest regularly worshiping Jesus in community with others. Okay, another way to say that is um, community-based Christians, church-based Christians who love Jesus and are part of a church are in the minority, a significantly uh, decreasing minority, unfortunately. And so we have that in common with Corinth, is that, that Christians were in the minority. So we struggle with sins and division like them. We, we have the same good news as them. Uh, and, and we also have this, this, this community that we're called to be a part of. So they need the basic gospel. You know, Christianity is starting out, so obviously they need to hear who was Jesus and why do I need him and what did his life, death, and resurrection do and, and how does God love us and he sent his son to save us from sin. They need this basic gospel. Well, guess what? We need to hear it too. Whether we've been a believer a long time or brand new, uh, we need to hear uh, the basic gospel of Jesus Christ. It keeps us grounded. That, and so we have that in common with the Corinthian Christians, that, that we have the same gospel, that, that we need Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. And when we believe in that, we have new life and everlasting life and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that, that same gospel unites all of us who are in the movement because we're all saved through him and in the same way. So, with all of that as background, we're going to hear a couple of scriptures from 1 Corinthians 2 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from the y'all version. And I encourage you to check out y'allversion.com. There's no apostrophe, just y'all version, the letters, uh, .com, y'allversion.com. And I want to read 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5, and then uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And I, when I came to y'all, brothers, did not come to y'all uh, did not come proclaiming to y'all the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Okay, I read that clunky. I'll, I'll read it again. And I, when I came to y'all, brothers, did not come proclaiming to y'all the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among y'all except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with y'all in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that y'all's faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we'll pause right there. So I, I, I'm reading this y'all version on purpose to say he's talking to the group. And sometimes when we read in the English, we don't recognize when we read the word you, Y-O-U. Uh, we, we sometimes read it in the singular when it's in the plural. And that's why we're using y'all here 
little bit of fun, but it also, it, we can't help but see, oh, this is written to a group. And he's saying to them all as a group and to us all as a group, it, it's not about, you know, being super smart or, you know, I came preaching Christ and him crucified and I, and I wasn't trying to overly impress you with loftiness. I, I wasn't trying to win you over. I was just coming with the spirit and with power uh, so that your faith would not rest in man's wisdom, but in God's is what Paul is saying. Okay, and then we go to chapter 3, verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address y'all as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Let me just pause there and say, boy, that's a gut punch. The, the people of Corinth and, and Greece in general, they like their ideas. They like their philosophy. They don't like to be thought of as infants. Kind of like in America, we like our freedom. We, we, we like our political philosophy. We like our ideas. We like our views. We don't want somebody to tell us, our opinions are wrong, or we're infants in our opinions. We're being infantile. Uh, but that's exactly what Paul does. He tells them, you're not as spiritual as you think you are. So let me read that verse again, and I'll read the whole section. Chapter 3, starting with verse 1 again. But I, brothers, could not address y'all as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed y'all with milk, not solid food, for y'all were not ready for it. And even now, y'all are not ready, for y'all are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among y'all, are y'all not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are, are y'all not being merely human? Are y'all not being merely human? You're not being part of the... The spiritual kingdom of God I've called you to. You're not being part of my body. You're not being my sheep. You're acting as if you're part of this tribe or that tribe, this party, red or blue. You're not, you're not getting it. Right? You're acting as infants. You're, you're not letting the gospel overcome your differences. You're letting your differences define you. That's not what it's about to be the church. So Paul makes some really clear points. He, he says, I didn't come with you just preaching smart-sounding, big, impressive ideas. Now, Jesus Christ and him crucified is impressive, but what he means is I didn't just come to win you over with smart-sounding logical arguments. That's, that's, the Greeks did that all the time, right? Lots and lots of talk, right? Can you imagine being part of a society where talking heads were always talking about big ideas and their views and their opinions, and they sound so important? Can you imagine a society like that, right? Like our news networks all the time or our politics? Well, that, that's what... What they had, the important people, and you followed certain views of certain philosophers or certain politicians of that age. But, but Paul comes in and says, I didn't play the game like your people, and yeah, I don't look like they look, and I didn't talk like they talked, because I wanted it to be about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So I came in the Spirit and with power and, and with the basic gospel, because you needed the basics. And he tells the Corinth family, and he's telling believers, right? People who say they have believed in Jesus Christ. Y'all still need the basic food. You're still infants in Christ. You, you haven't graduated. You're, you all are not as mature as you think you are. And friends, I feel like this message is really relevant to us today as Christians in North America. Our crisis of the last couple of years whether it's the, the pandemic, the politics, the social justice issues, all of it, the, the, these, these things of the last couple of years have revealed that Christianity in America was not as mature as many thought it was. 
instead of the gospel uniting us and helping us be a witness to the world of how God can help us overcome differences and, and we're united in our, the reality of our humanness and, and in, in the reality of God's love for all of us, even though we're broken people, instead of the church being this bright light, many churches and much of Christianity jump to one tribe or another, to politics, even, even many churches putting uh, politics in their, in their yard, so to speak, and maybe I'm at fault for some of that. So people jump to politics, people jump to hatred, some jumped away from community life altogether, saying, I'm better than them. Instead of saying, I'm with them, and we got to figure this out, we got to be better than this, right? And so I feel like Paul's message to the church of Corinth is one we need to hear. We're being infants. We're, we're not able to, to graduate because we, we, to solid food because we're still, we're still getting stuck in worldly stuff. We're not as mature as we think we are. Pastor Eugene Peterson, a, a longtime pastor, uh, pastored in, in, in Maryland, and, but authored many books and was originally from Montana. Wise, smart man, down to earth. Uh, and he, he, he wrote this really prophetic statement a couple of decades ago in a book I've been reading recently. He said, I would never volunteer. This Oh, Eugene Peterson's the one who also translated the message version of the Bible, right? Uh, message paraphrase. Uh, Peterson wrote, I would never voluntarily live in a place where the freedom to choose and practice religion was illegal and had to be pursued underground. But when I look at the results of the most extensive, extensive experiment in the freedom of religion that the world has ever seen, I am not impressed. Surveyed as a whole, we are immersed in probably the most immature and mindless religion, ranging from infantile to adolescent, that any culture has ever witnessed. And he's really a student of history and a student of Christian history. So when he says that, he's saying basically modern American Christianity is infantile and adolescent. That we, 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 we think freedom of religion is so important. And as he's trying to say, yeah, it's important. I wouldn't want to live somewhere where religion was illegal, but... We, we, we've claimed our, our freedom and used it as a, a banner for selfishness or individuality. We, we are, we, we, we've, we've made selfish choices and selfish language and selfish worship practices uh, the, the rule of the day. We've made our churches not about um, the gospel and Jesus Christ overcoming our differences and being radical communities of Christ's love together. Instead, we've made them just about the people we can get along with. Right. And that's what was happening in Corinth. And I'm afraid that's what's happened in our communities and much of our context. So this this message in this series is about saying, yeah, let's get back to the basics and let's undermine all that's unhealthy. And God, draw out that unhealthy stuff and build us up again. Oh, God, build us up again into being the people people that we are all called to be by you and your spirit. Because we are all spiritual. We're all created in the image of God. But the scriptures tell us we're not healthy on our own. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all are beautifully created, fearfully and wonderfully made, one psalm says. But we are broken. We're, we're marred with the sin nature. We're not, not able to be in God's presence on our own. But the good news of Jesus is that we can be victorious. We can have that sin nature overcome by what Jesus has done for us. But, but in order for that to happen, for any person to have that, 
whether they have religious background, whether they're poor, whether they're rich, male, female, it doesn't matter their political background, for any person to, to be made new and to be, to be forgiven, to, to overcome that human brokenness that we all share, each person has to be vulnerable and admit their need. The way Jesus says it in, in, in the book of Matthew is, he says, you are blessed, you, you are blessed when you're poor in spirit. You, you are blessed when you recognize your need for God, your poverty of spirit, what you don't have. Then you can start heading in the right direction. Then you can head into the kingdom of God, he says. But he says, blessed are you when you grieve, when you grieve over the condition of your own soul and the condition of the world, because then you can be rightly comforted. When you grieve over your brokenness, you can see the, your need for healing. The truth is we all are poor, spiritually poor, blind beggars, right? Looking for a piece of bread, as someone said. We're, we're, we're hungering and thirsting for the true spiritual help that, we, that really satisfies our souls. And Jesus also said, blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for his righteousness. Not hunger and thirst to be right on your own or you have the right ideas, but hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. Then we shall be filled. When we admit our food isn't good enough, the world's food and the world's ideas and the talking heads aren't good enough, we need God. We need Jesus. Y'all, we need Jesus. We all do. He is the Christ, and Christ means the chosen one of God. And the chosen one of God, by his amazing free gift, has chosen to love us. Right? And that is amazing. He loves us. And yeah, he loves me, but we shouldn't reduce it to just an individual story because it's about loving us. You, I do want to say this, that when, when one sinner repents, Jesus said, when one sheep returns home, heaven rejoices. Jesus taught that over one sinner repenting. And so, yes, each and every person is important to God, but it, it's a community of angels rejoicing, right? We, we rejoice together when people find new life in God. We all are rejoiced over when we come into relationship with God, when we come into community, when we come into the kingdom. That includes the poor person or the immigrant or the rich person or the addict or whoever it is, the person on the other side of the community of divide. We are excited when any person comes to their awareness of their need for Jesus. We don't look down on somebody for coming to worship or coming to a Bible study or asking for prayer. Or, no, instead we rejoice over any person uh, that admits that they are poor in spirit, that they grieve over their own brokenness, and they want to be in this new way, this new relationship with God. Because the truth is, friends, we all, we all can't earn His love. There's no one on earth that, that's, that can say, oh, I earned His sacrifice. He died for me because I was so good. No. Jesus died for us because we were broken. He died the death we deserve, that all y'all deserve, including me. And this is the great news, that yeah, we're broken, but we were made beautiful in his image, and we can be made fully beautiful and restored. We, we can be made victorious when we recognize that we need to admit our vulnerability. We should praise God for this free gift that he's given us of Jesus. And if he gives us this free gift, we should 
freely give gifts to one another of forgiveness and second chances and prayer and, 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 and charity and tenderness and kindness. We should, we should help each other out. We should build one another up. And, and we should do all of this because this is the community that Jesus has called us into. And so, so we are looking at our brokenness so that we can look at the good news of Jesus and say, ah, oh, we are all united in this. Isn't this good news? And if we're all united in this, then, then we together should strive to look like him and help each other to look like him. And that's what Paul goes in a lot of his scriptures. Like in Ephesians, he went to this, uh, to this lesson, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave y'all. We all are forgiven in Christ. When, when we receive that, we are all forgiven. So therefore, we have to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Those are things we need to practice in our community life together. And I, I don't see many restraints or exceptions on that, right? This is who we're called to be. So some simple habits for 2023 to help us to live in this beautiful community, this beautiful plural reality of being followers of Jesus with differences but greatly united in Him. What are some simple habits for 2023? Well, number one, just I encourage you, remember and receive His grace daily. His mercies are new every morning. That go, that along with that, His, His grace. His grace for you. He's gracious to you every day. Every day is a new day, a free gift from God. Remember and receive daily that God has been gracious to you. And in the same way God is gracious to you, He is gracious to others. And you are not unlike those others. You might have different struggles to them, but you are just as loved as that other person. Okay. So remember and receive that grace daily. And, and, and I'd encourage you, in a practical way, try three minutes a day. Three minutes a day. And three, just for the record, is more than zero. Uh, if you start with one, that's better than zero. But try three minutes a day where you are simply fully available to God. Maybe sitting down on a chair with your palms up. Just, it, just to visually remind you of a, a position of reception, of receiving, remembering that, that, that He was given for you and for us all. There's nothing I or we can do to receive that. Jesus, thank you for loving us this much. Thank you for freely giving yourself to us. I confess that I have made my faith too shallow or too individualistic and just help me to rejoice and to see this deeper plan you have, God. So try that. Try a couple minutes a day, a minute a day. Try, try just reflecting and receiving the grace of God in a very physical way. Next, ask God a simple question daily. It really comes out of this Ephesians 4.32 verse. Ask God daily, who am I called to be generous, kind, and compassionate to today? Who am I called to be generous, kind, and compassionate to today? Open my eyes to that. Now, you could say, well, the answer is everybody, of course. And that's an easy cop-out answer, too. 
be so compassionate to everybody that I won't be specifically kind to anybody. Right? So, yes, be kind and loving to all you meet, but is there someone that you would normally not be kind and compassionate and generous towards? Who is that? And can God help us to grow there? Well, praise God, friends, for this new year and for the amazing free gift of Jesus Christ and that we get to follow him and represent him in this year. We get to follow the chosen one of God. And, and, and we get to follow him with those that I have maybe unliked in the past from my social media, uh, that his grace is so abounding that he invites in people that I have that I have or currently dislike, the people that are unlike me. Thanks be for the grace of God that he has overcome our divisions. Praise be to God that we are all loved and that we each need Christ equally. And God has created this beautiful community, a community that when we truly, we together are living for him, for the honor of Christ, we are a community uh, where his light shines and we overcome the divisions of the world, where the unity we have in the spirit, that the spirit's power does things in us that we cannot do on our own as individuals. And we see miracles, miracles of changed lives, miracles of healing and new life. I, I really believe that, friends. So thanks be to God for rescuing you and me and us Thanks be to God for drawing us together and teaching us Christ's better ways of, of living. And now may we go forth and by his leadership and by his example and by the power and the reality of the Holy Spirit, may we live with true kindness, compassion, and Christ-like forgiveness. Oh Lord, fill us with your spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is true freedom to live in this Christ, Christ-like unity. Oh, Lord, help us to, to, to put away selfish freedoms as a priority. Help us to have the freedom of Christ to, to, to love one another. Help us to have your spirit overcome the differences of the world as we come together in your name, Jesus. Oh, Lord, may you do something special in your people this year. May your light shine and may your body overcome the differences in the world as people hear about the good news of Jesus, about the amazing love that you have for each person. May it be so in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org. Uh, to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way, and may God bless your day.